Isaiah chapter 9. take a look at verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah chapter 9 as we're going to take a look throughout this uh, month of December uh, the different aspects of Christmas and um, entitled this unto us as you can see on the slide there and so we want to um, help you think about the things of Christmas in the right way uh, and this morning I've entitled this message more than a prediction more than a prediction. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, the Bible says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's pray. Well, Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word and I pray that you would strengthen me physically to be able to do what you've called me to do and I pray that the things that are said this morning would uh, bring honor and glory to you. And Lord, I ask that if there is someone here this morning that does not know you, I pray that they would come to know you. I ask for the many that are away today that uh, might be traveling or uh, with family because of the holiday. I pray, Father, that you would protect them and keep them safe. Bring them back to us next Sunday, I pray. We ask you for this. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <coughs> The advent of Christ is more than just a prediction. It's a prophecy that God gave to man to confirm the birth of Christ. So I want you to understand this morning that it is a prediction, but it's more than a prediction. It's a, a prophecy that was fulfilled. And what we have here is really an announcement. And, and in life, there are many different types of announcements. There are wedding announcements. There are public service announcements. There are death announcements. There are gender reveal announcements for, you know, what's going to be a baby boy or a baby girl. You know how they have all those different type of announcements. But one of the most exciting announcements of all is the announcement of birth. There have really been many creative ways uh, that people have um, uh, really instituted to announce the birth of a child. Some will put signs in their yards. You see the big stork there, either pink or blue, to announce, and it has the, the weight of the baby. And others have sent out postcards to announce the birth of their baby. And, and, and today, many put their announcement on social media channels. But can I tell you this morning that nothing compares to the announcement of Christ's birth. His announcement was nothing short of amazing. And I'm sure of you, I'm sure that some of you have seen the announcement of a prince or a princess of the royal family from Britain. But nothing compares to the announcement of the birth of Christ. 
And though there are many announcements, or we would say prophecies in the Old Testament that, that, that repeat the uh, incarnation or the advent of Christ, this one right here is a gem. This text is so well known that it has been enshrined in the classic music of, of Handel's Messiah. And what I find interesting about this announcement or about this prophecy that is spoken as if it's already happened. It says, a child is born. A son is given. So that's really interesting. Say it, it is. It is. But why is that? Why is it worded that way? Because with God, a prophecy can be indeed spoken in terms of fulfillment. See, the whole point of it is that you can count on God's word. If he says it, he's going to fulfill it. Because when God predicts something, it's going to come to pass. That's why I've entitled this message more than a prediction. There's many people that have made predictions down throughout the ages that have never come uh, true. But when God predicts something, it's going to come true. And we see that in this prophecy. When God prophesies something, my friends, this morning, when he prophesies something, you can count on it as good as done. And by the way, nothing will ever deter the prophecies of God. I want you to see this morning that you can count on the word of God and I want you to see it through the advent. That you and I, we can count on the word of God. I want you to see, first of all, if you're taking notes, the doctrine of the advent. The doctrine of the advent. In verse 6 it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What we find, first of all, letter A, if you're taking notes, the explanation. And what we have here is we have the dual nature of Christ. A child is born, a son is given. When the Bible says a child is born, it's referring to the humanity of Christ. Though there was no child that was ever uh, born before Christ or after Christ, that was like Christ, he was still born human. But we see because of this next statement, the specialness of this birth. It says, a son is given. This son is the very son of God and it reveals his deity. So we see the dual nature of Christ. It shows that he was human, but he was also divine. We call that the hypostatic union, that uh, Jesus Christ was 100% God, and he was 100% man. But it also tells us that not only does it reveal his deity, but it also lets us know that Christ was in existence before the birth took place. See, to be born only had to do with part of his manifestation. That was his fleshly part. But the son is given covers all of his eternal part. See, the gift had to exist before it could be given. You can't give something to someone that doesn't exist. You can't give a gift that doesn't 
exist to someone. Here, I want to give you this imaginary gift. Just doesn't work. And so what we see here is not only is a, is a, a child born the humanity of Christ, but we also see that the Son is given, and it lets us know that the Son that was given existed before all of time and eternity. But I want you to see the encouragement, letter B. The encouragement, it's found through us in the dual nature of Christ. And because Christ existed in heaven before his incarnation, he is able to help us here on earth. Christ is not only the Lord of space and of time, but he's also the Lord of the shop and the sink. He is Christ who is worthy of worship this morning because he is the Son of God. But he is also the Christ who has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities, Scripture says, of our weaknesses. He was tempted in all points, yet without sin, the Bible tells us. It's this Christ that became man in order that man can become the righteousness of God. It is this Christ who we can come to in a time of need. See, this Christ just didn't stay up in the lofty heavens, but he came to a, uh, uh, to a, a wretched earth in humility. It is this Christ that shows us that he is a personal God, not an impersonal God. It is this Christ who has set our feet upon a solid rock when all that we had to stand upon was sinking sand. It is this Christ that we are encouraged to go to we're to go to his throne of grace to find mercy. And it's because this Christ came that we can go to that throne of grace and mercy in time of need. Had Christ not come for us and to be able to die on the cross for us, we would have no access to the throne room of God. We would be shut out for all of time and eternity. So when it says, for unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given, that's encouragement for us. It's been given to us for the purpose of being able to get into the very presence and throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What an encouragement, the doctrine of the Advent. So many times you hear people say, well, doctrine's boring. That's because they don't understand doctrine. This is an encouragement for us to know that not only was a child born, and that's what the world celebrates. They celebrate a child being born, but they miss a son is given. Not only do we see the doctrine of the advent, we see the descent in the advent. The descent in the advent. Unto us a child is born. It's a humbling, letter A, a humbling experience. <coughs> it says, unto us a child is born. We're prone to forget the condensation of Christ to the earth. I want you to turn over to Philippians chapter 2, please. It was Christ who left the glories of heaven to come to earth. It was Christ who left the praises of angels to come to earth. It was Christ who left the intimacy of the Father to come to earth. It was Christ who left heaven to humble himself in order that he might save us. Take a look at Philippians chapter 2, if you would, please. It's a humbling experience. We celebrate this. But in all reality, this is the most humbling experience in all of history outside of the death of Christ. 
Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, the Bible says, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as, man, uh, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know what we are actually celebrating when we celebrate Christmas? We are celebrating God Almighty humbling himself. That God would come from heaven in the form of the Lord Jesus Christ and humble himself to, to, to remove himself from all the glories of heaven and place himself in the midst of a sin-cursed world to not hear the praises of man but the curses of man. To not be honored but to be scorned. Not be accepted as a king, but to be rejected. It was a humbling experience. I believe also, letter B, it was a humble delight. There has never been, nor ever will be anyone who has humbled themselves as much as Christ did for you and for me. It was a humble delight. We as believers, we would do well to humble ourselves before God in order that we might be used of God. Doesn't Peter tell us that? Does he not tell us to humble ourselves underneath the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time? But instead of humility in our lives, we would rather accept praise. And Jesus, who was our example, humbled himself to do the will of the Father. I don't, I don't think anybody would debate this morning that Jesus is our example. He is our example. He's the pattern that we're to follow. So if Jesus is our example, and he humbled himself to do the will of Father, my question for you this morning is, should we do any less? Should not the continual continual uh, statement on our lips be not my will Lord but thine be done should it not be that we would be willing to humble ourselves before God to do whatever he wants us to do should there ever be a time in our life where we're not willing to submit to the will of the father should we ever get to a place in our Christian walk where where we think that we have sacrificed too much that we've given too much that we've been placed too low I don't think so. All that we have to do is just look at the advent. All that we have to do is just look at the incarnation. And we can never say that we've given too much. We can never say that we've sacrificed too much. We can never say that we've been placed too low because all that we have to do is just look at the birth of Christ. If I were to ask you this morning... How many of you would like to be like Jesus? You'd like to be known. I want to be known as being like Jesus. I dare say that all of us would say, yes, pastor, I want other people to think that I'm like Jesus. Then consider that he humbled himself. And it is our delight to humble ourselves because that's the only way we can be like him.
do you realize that we cannot be full of pride and be like Jesus? It's an impossibility. It says that he humbled himself even to the death of the cross. But not only do we see the doctrine and the descent, but we see number three, we see the day of the advent, the day of the advent. <coughs> Excuse me. Take a look, letter A, the time of the prophecy. Our text, I'm not going to read the passages around it, the text around it, but our text is, is found in a very dark setting. It was a time of trouble. It was a time of anguish. It was a time of, of great affliction. Uh, it talks about the garments are rolled in blood. You can find that in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 22, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and verse 5, where there was a, it was a dark time. It was a very bad time for the nation. So then why was this announcement given at this time? Because it was a foreshadowing of what the time would be like when Christ would be born. I want you to see not only the time of the prophecy, that it was a dark time, but I want you to see the time of the prince. Jesus, the prince of peace here in our text, that's one of his names, was born in a time that was very dark and dangerous. It was in the days of Herod that Jesus was born. He was a madman. In all reality, he was schizophrenic. He was not a man of peace, but he was a man of brutality. I want you to turn over to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. Because it was during this time, and a dark time in the nation of Israel, it was during this time that God decided to send Jesus into the world. And I believe there's encouragement for us in that. In Galatians 4, 4, <coughs> excuse me. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. He said when the fullness of time was come, when everything was exactly the way that God wanted it for his son to be born. Now he said, wait a second. It was during dark times. It was during uh, a, a madman was ruling over the nation of Israel. It wasn't good times. I mean, if you and I were God, you know, when we would have sent Jesus, we would have probably waited to send Jesus during a time of peace. We would have probably waited to send Jesus when everything was smooth sailing. But not God. It says when the fullness of time was come. But see, this can be an encouragement for us. Think about it, that God sent Jesus in an extremely dark time. And it could be an encouragement to us because in, 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 in our dark times, in the dangerous times of our own life, in the anguished times of our own lives, that's when the greatest power of God can be manifested to us. When everything seems bleak, when, when things don't seem to be going in the right direction, when everything seems to be falling apart, that's when God can manifest his power in our life. See, if God can send, I want you to think about this, if God can send his only son into the world during dark times to save the world going wrong, he can certainly take care of us in our dark days. The world was totally going the wrong way, and God sent a son. Listen, 
If God can do that then and give hope to mankind, he can come to you when all that there are are clouds and he can give hope to you personally. See, we see the day of the advent. It wasn't a good day, but it was the day that God chose to be able to send the Prince of Peace, the light into the darkness. I want you to take a look. Number four, the delight of the advent. The delight of the advent. See, and you thought this was going to be a really long message when you saw this, didn't you? The people downstairs aren't going to know what to do once I'm done. They're going to be like, wait, we haven't even started our program yet. I want you to see the delight of the advent. There's great delight in a child being born and a son given It says, unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. I want you to take a look. The delight in born, the delight in born. Think about it. What's one of the most delightful times in the life of a young couple? It's when they give birth to a child. There is great joy in the birth of a child. Think about it. The happiest floor in the hospital is not the geriatric ward. No, the happiest floor in the hospital is what? It's the birthing floor. It's where all the babies are at. There's tears of joy. There's smiles. There's high fives. There's all different kinds of celebrations. Why? Because new life has been brought into the world. And man, it's just so special. It's the place where cute stuffed animals are given and flowers and colorful balloons are in a room. But that delight of any particular child on that day is limited. Well, that delight is only limited to really the family or close friends and maybe some co-workers who might know the young couple. But the birth of Jesus Christ not only brought great joy to Joseph, Mary, shepherds, and eventually the wise men, but the birth of Jesus Christ brings delight and joy to all people. Turn over to Luke chapter 2. I want you you to see this here uh, this morning. Luke chapter 2. See, just a regular baby only brings delight to a limited group of people. But the birth of Christ brings joy to all people. Take a look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 10. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Think about how the birth of Christ has brought joy to man. We have the joy of salvation this morning, which cannot be equaled by any joy. We have the joy of sins forgiven today, which lifts the burden that no man can lift. We have the joy of the Savior, which keeps us and protects us like no one else. Because listen, friend, Your time to go will not happen any sooner or any later than God has ordained it. You are protected in God's care. The birth of Christ brings joy to every realm of life this morning. It's the birth of Christ which is celebrated every year that brings great joy to many hearts of people around the world. But We see that there is a delight in the born, but there's also a delight in the given. Take a look at that letter B. My wife's love language is gifts. She loves gifts. And when I get her a gift or bring her a gift, 
there's great delight and joy in the Riddell household. And gifts do bring delight. If they didn't, nobody would give them. Right? I mean, if, if gifts didn't bring delight or didn't bring joy, nobody would give gifts. It lets people know that you care about them. It lets them know that you love them, that you're special to them. And though this year you might get a gift that you've been dreaming of for years, it's no comparison to the gift from God. Each of us like different things. And many may even request a specific gift because it's something that they want. But all of us have different things that we may want or desire. It's not all the same thing. But let me tell you something. The gift that God has given to us is something that all men need, not just some men. It's a gift that everybody needs this morning. As a matter of fact, it's a gift that more people need than they realize that they need. And that's the gift of Christ. God has not given us a thing. How many of you could probably go back into your attic and you can look at some of the things that you've received and some of them are broken from years gone by. You've just kept them because you've never gotten around to maybe cleaning out your attic. But the simple fact of the matter, it's just a thing, right? Well, God hasn't just given us a thing. God has given us himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And there is no greater gift that has ever been given or ever will be given than Jesus Christ. We ought to treasure him. He ought to be our delight. We ought to adore him as we sing uh, that, that, that Christmas carol. That we ought to um, treasure Christ so much that he is not just one of many, but he is the only. By the way, the best gift that you could ever give anybody this Christmas is the gift of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of things that you will give to a lot of your unsaved friends and co-workers and even family members. You say, why do you do that? Because you love them, right? Because you care about them. Because you may even feel obligated because they gave you something. But if you really love and care about them so much, why not give them the gift that will give for all of eternity? Why not give them the gift of Christ? You say, Pastor, if I give it to them, they won't accept it. That's not for you to decide. You're just to give the gift. Pastor, they might not like the gift. That's not for you to decide. You're just to give the gift. See, so many times we come up with excuses why we shouldn't give the gift. When we're willing to move heaven and earth to get a particular gift, a thing for someone, but we're not willing to open up our mouths to be able to share the greatest gift that's ever been given. See, the light of the advent is Jesus Christ. It's Christ and Christ alone. I want to see the last one. 
the duty. The duty because of the advent. This ties in with what I was just saying, our duty. Twice in our phrase, in our text, two words are mentioned, unto us. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. You know what these words bring? They bring obligation. Just as a new parent is is obligated to care for their new child, to provide for them, to protect them, to train them, to support them, we've been given the duty because of the advent, not only to share that Jesus came to earth in his birth, but that he came to earth with a purpose. See, I've told you before that the world doesn't mind that Jesus, that we celebrate Jesus born in a manger. What the world minds is that we celebrate Jesus born in the manger with a purpose. And that purpose is to free man from their sin. Because men don't like to be told, and women don't like to be told, people don't like to be told that they're a sinner. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We don't like that. We like to think of ourselves as better than that. We're, yeah, we might do some things wrong, but don't call me a sinner. I might make some mistakes in my life, but don't call me a sinner. I may not be kind to people, but don't call me a sinner. But our duty because of the advent is to share with them more than just the birth of Christ, but we're to share with them the purpose which Christ came. And he redeemed man from the penalty of sin to have a relationship with himself. See, we know the reason for the advent. We know why Christ humbled himself and confined himself to the body of a baby. We know why Jesus submitted himself to the limitations of humanity. And because we know it, it's our obligation to tell them. It's our obligation. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. As I just mentioned to you before, I said, maybe you give a gift because you feel obligated. You know, because you know they're going to get you a gift, so... Well, I got to get them a gift. I, I don't want to look bad in front of them. I, I don't want to be embarrassed in front of them. What would I say? What are you going to say to those individuals that you never shared the gospel with when they're standing before God? And he says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And when they're being cast into hell... When they're being cast into hell, they look at you and say, why didn't you tell me? I was just too embarrassed. I was too scared. I was afraid you would reject the gift. Instead, you're giving me hell? Because that's what we're giving them when we don't share it with them. See, it's our duty to share. The duty of the advent, because Christ came, we have a duty. But not only do we have a duty, let her be our duty, but let her be their duty, their duty. It's not only our duty to tell others, but it's their duty to receive Christ and to live a life that honors Christ and to serve Christ. See, after we've shared the gospel with someone, they now have the obligation to receive salvation. 
See, salvation is a responsibility for man to accept. You say, wait a second, it's actually an obligation? Salvation is? Yes, Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, the Bible says this way, and at the times of his ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. God doesn't say, I'm suggesting that you repent. I would really request that you repent. I would hope that you repent. It might be a good idea that you repent. God says that I am commanding every man all, everywhere to repent. Salvation is their obligation. If they don't take that obligation up, that's on them. You can't change that. See, the problem is we try and take on their obligation. Well, they might not receive it. They might not like it. They might not want it. They might not appreciate it. That's not our obligation to worry about. Our obligation to worry about is to give it, is to share it, is to tell others. It's their obligation to take it. See, if they reject that responsibility, they'll have to pay the eternal price. And then they'll never be able to say to you, you gave me the gift of hell. No, they made the choice. They made the choice. You can count on God's word. This prophecy's been fulfilled. Jesus did come into the world. There's no debating this morning the fact of the birth of Christ. It happened like Isaiah prophesied. And we can count on other prophecies being fulfilled. Oh, there'll be some that will laugh according to Second Peter. They tell us that, oh, the earth's just continuing as it is. It's just going to continue to go on. But Jesus says that he's coming back. He is coming back. You can count on it. See, you and I, you can depend upon God's word. Are you living a life dependent upon God's word this morning? Are you having a hard time taking God at his word this morning? You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to question it. All you have to do is just take God at his word. For unto us... A child is born. This was hundreds of years before Christ was ever born. But God states it in the already is born. Unto us a son is given. Just take God at his word. This past week I was talking with a travel agent. And he asked me about a specific person in our church and, and a payment to be made. He wanted to make sure that the payment was going to be made. And so he, he mentioned this person's name and I said, this is what I said. I said, she's good for it. What I was saying to this travel agent about this person is that you can count on her. She is as good as her word. When it comes to God and his word, my friends, listen, he's good for it. You can count on him. 